If you're able to stand for the reading of God's inerrant and infallible word, we are in the Garden of Eden in this text, and um, the Lord's accomplished all the wonderful things, and then things take a turn for the worse. Beginning with verse 1, we're going through 10. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat. <coughs> nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that the day you eat of this, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the coolness of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. May the Lord open to us the understanding of this, his word. Amen. It's a marvelous account from God's word. Sin is not much talked about in churches today. And, uh, and it's not brought heavy to bear upon it. I remember... Uh, when I was at Duke University a thousand years ago, I uh, had a, a seminary professor who said, well, young, young men, because it was mostly men those days, said, young men, don't, don't scare people by talking about hell and sin. Says, it's not good to scare people. That's not the way, what you want to do. And uh, I raised my hand. I said, sir, is, is hell not the worst thing that can happen to you? And is sin not the means that brings us into hell? That being true, it would seem imperative to me that we warn people about the terrible, terrible consequences of sin and its result. And I know that, that, that to talk about sin is not a popular topic in so many places today, unless you're like some churches it becomes popular to declare certain sins non-existent. But, but it's important for believers to understand sin. Because sin is the means by which the worst thing happens to a person that can happen. So, at the end I will focus upon comforting things, but... but I want us to go out the door today aware with what true, uh, about true reality and what it is. 
The greatest reality of all is the true and living God, of which Terry spoke today. The greatest reality of all is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that true and living God defines how things are. We do not. The world has been tricked to think that it can design the solutions to all problems. And that's true. Some think the solutions are scientific. Some think the solutions are political. Some think the solutions are social. Some think the solutions are educational. But they are not. The only real solution to the major issue of human existence is the true and living God and what he reveals in his holy word. Get that. Years ago, and I hate to admit there was truth of it, I was preaching a revival in Morristown, Tennessee. Some of you may not even know where that is, but it's up in Upper East Tennessee. And, and one of my Presbyterian minister friends came to hear me, and, and he ran into my old friend, Brother Moore. Now, Brother Moore, you've heard me talk about many times, a godly missionary who was preaching the gospel the night that God called me. God found me. And he knew me, Reverend, more like a book. And, uh, and I'm embarrassed to say that prior to my salvation, there was so much in my life that today is abhorrent to me. And he asked this preacher friend of mine, says, well, what did Gerald preach about? And he said, oh, he preached about sin, to which Brother Moore replied rather quickly, had a quick mind. Well, if there's an expert on it, it's him. And I am an expert on it, regrettingly so. I want to say to the young people today, you know, the devil comes and tempts you. And I'll say this to old people today. The devil comes and tempts you. Do not ever let him into your heart. Reject him immediately because let me tell you something. The devil is easy to invite into your house, but he's hell to get out of it. Is that right? And so, you know, the best way to do is to reject it out of hand. But even Adam didn't reject it. Even Adam, Adam was seduced by the serpent. Up to that point, everything in human existence was perfect. There was no death. There was no sickness. There was no hard work. Pierre, when you have to get out there on those roofs at temperatures over 100, just say, thanks, Adam. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> everything was perfect until... It wasn't that Adam and Eve didn't know to do better. They knew to do better. Until the serpent said to him and her, take this fruit, eat of it. God's not going to kill you. When you eat it, you'll become like God. You see, at that moment, Adam and Eve made the choice to make their life the center of their existence rather than the true and living God. They chose themselves what they thought would be best over God. And sure enough, they became aware of what good and evil was, and before that they had no knowledge of it because there was nothing evil in their life. But the moment they did that, they became aware. We're naked 
and they clothed themselves. And even more profoundly, as they heard the Lord God walking in the garden before they'd always walked with him in the cool of the day, before then, but then they heard him walking and they hid because they knew the guilt in their heart and that they had broken the will of God and that God would know it. And God did know it. And we know the consequences of sin then. They were put out of the garden. Man has labored ever since. He has had to deal with sin and he's had to deal with death. Before then there was no death. Had to deal with disease. All the things that came about because man sought to place his order over the order of the sovereign holy God. And you know, if you'll think about your own life, that every time that you have been involved in sin, sin has many expressions, you know. Some of them are very crass, like we see in pornography and the filth that comes out of Hollywood. Um, My wife and I have been watching uh, some movies made in Korea and Taiwan, and uh, those movies don't have the filth or or the... perverse sexuality you see even in advertisements today. They don't have those kinds of things. And we were remarking about that, and I said, well, honey, the reason that's the case is there's not a larger collection of perverts, fornicators, and evil people in a world than it's in Hollywood. They are moral trash. Now, God wants to save them, and they have an eternal worth. But I'm simply saying that's a fact. And why anybody pays any attention to anything they have to say, I don't know. But anyway, so what we see is that that the heart of sin is the rejection of God's authority and his being. And every human sin can be traced back to that. You know, I told you one time several Sundays ago, sure everybody remembers everything I say. I told you that all of us have broken the first and great commandment, every person in this room. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And every one of us somewhere at some point in our life, I assure you, has made choices to put ourselves before we know what God wants of us. Every one of us. And that means what? Something at that point, at least in my life, was more important than God. Might have been a golf match on Sunday morning. It might have been a uh, going to a movie that you maybe knew you shouldn't go. God didn't want you to go there. And uh, it could be a number of things. But every time that happens, it always goes back to that original sin. And that sin has touched every human being that has ever lived. I love little babies. I love little children to death. But uh, people say, oh, little babies are so innocent. They're not innocent. They are not innocent. They can be so sweet and loving. But if there's something they want and they need... All hell breaks loose till they get it. Am I lying? Their life, we come into this world automatically centered upon ourselves. So we see that, that according to the word of God, really, the heart of sin is not a mistake. Mistakes aren't necessarily sin. 
there if you make a choice and you know it's sin, that's a mistake. But and it's not necessarily just missing the mark, trying to hidden it. But no, it's much more profound than that. Really, the nature of sin, according to the Bible, get this now, is rebellion against God. It is rebellion against God. The ignoring, the rejection of what the Word of God clearly teaches us. And we got churches today that, that not only... Uh, allow for rebellion, they promote it. I read an article on the Internet, you know. I need to quit reading the Internet. I read a lot of wonderful things on there. But then, Ray, sometimes I read stuff that just makes me angry beyond what I should be. And I read an article this week by a, a lady preacher who said uh, that, uh, that Jesus would approve of abortions. Because Jesus wants people to be free. I had a professor at Elon that said in an article that was written in the uh, Alamance News that um, I know some of us don't like that and some do, but, but anyway, she said that Jesus would, would want women to have abortions because he wanted them to have an abundant life. Uh, not only untrue, but very stupid. I'm sure you that woman doesn't have a clue about biblical theology. And we have those approval of sin. And, and, and I want to incidentally, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that God holds his highest judgment not only against sin, but against those who promote sin. And, but we, we live in a confused world today. But let me tell you this. God has made his will for our life clear. He has made it through his holy word. His word teaches us, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt, and we go through all of those great commandments. Those laws define what God wants of us. And there are many, many more. And Jesus is teaching. Love one another as I have loved you. And show people that you are my disciples by this. That's not an option, friends. And to do violence to that teaching is to what? Can I hear you? Sin. And it is all grounded in our, the world's unwillingness to do it our way rather than his way. And so man uh, sinned and rebelled against God. Men, and this includes women too, I'm old-fashioned. I, I believe you all understand the English language, that there is a generic case for man. Some don't. Um, but uh, placed, a man placed himself at the center and rebelled. And we know that we've been demonstrating rebellion ever since. Now, we're not just talking about them out there, but it's true that the church and members of the church have to deal with sin. You know, we all get tempted. Every person in this room, according to Romans 3, was once in a state of rebellion. What does Paul say in Romans uh, 3.22? All have sinned. All. That's an all-inclusive term, that word all. All have sinned and fallen short 
of the glory of God. That's true of you and that's true of me. We have sinned. And we know that that goes back to making our wants and desires more important than what God wants for us. The final rebellion which assures doom. You know what that word means? Doom. The worst thing that can happen to you. The final rebellion which ensures doom is the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah. You know, people talk about the unforgivable sin. Most people are confused about it. There's only one unforgivable sin. We'll go back to the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is talking to Pharisees and and they say, you know, this man Jesus is possessed of the evil one. And they believed it. They believed that Jesus was not of the Father, but of the devil. And that's when Jesus said, all sins will be forgiven against man except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And what he's talking about there is that the Holy Spirit reveals to those who will hear that he is the Messiah. And we never hear it unless the Holy Spirit moves us to hear it. And so consequently, those who have not honored what the Holy Spirit has revealed regarding the person of Jesus will be doomed forever. They will not turn because they do not believe in him who is able to turn them. So the worst sin a person commits, the only unforgivable sin, is the rejection of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, there may be some here today that have never received him. Don't let that be the state in which you remain because if you have not received him, you are doomed. There is no hope. I know it's old-fashioned, but that's the truth. That is the truth. Don't hear that much in the world today. The world believes all good dogs go to heaven. Even good dogs don't go to heaven. In fact, apart from Jesus Christ, there is nothing good. Amen? Get that. It's going to be the heart of our witnessing. Loving, gracious, but the heart. Other sins, all the other sins we commit (coughs) are reflective are reflective of the desire to not honor God. They're always, we're always tempted. And I, I'm tempted just as you. And I sometimes fall just as you. But there's a difference. There's a difference. You see, when the believer sins, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit within them convicts them. Jennifer. What a beautiful testimony about conviction this morning. Convicts us. I hope every one of you got convicted when I talked to you about not being concerned for lost people. I hope that just irritates you and itches you until you do something about it. Because you will, if you're saved, eventually do something about it. The sins of those called of God in Jesus Christ The sins of those called of God in Jesus Christ will be punished in this world. Hebrews tells us in chapter 
12, that those whom the Lord loves, he also chastises as a father does his son. Then he goes on to tell you, if God's not correcting you, that means you're not his son. I always describe my father, Wyatt Sanders, W.E. Sanders. He was the opposite of Machiavelli's prince, you know, the Italian philosopher, really. You know, Machiavelli said that a prince should have a steel hand inside a velvet glove. My father was opposite. He had a steel hand, a glove, but his hand was velvet. And, uh, and I know that when he corrected me, and my first wife and I adopted a rule that he always practiced, we never spanked our kids when we were angry. You know why? Because when you spank your kids when you're angry, it's more often about you than little Johnny turning over the egg carton or whatever. But my father did not hesitate to correct us. His life could have been easier as many parents' lives are easier today if they just ignore it and don't have to deal with it. You deal with it sooner or later, let me tell you. And he would deal with it but he dealt with it because he loved us. God's the same way for believers. I'm saying for believers. Those in a living faith relationship with Jesus Christ, this is the only one it applies to. God's going to correct you in this life. It may be things not working out and you getting frustrated and he's, he's going to touch you gently to tell you to turn from those things or, he's, or that attitude or, or he's going to, if it takes it, he's going to push your nose closer and closer to the grindstone till you realize it and you repent. He corrects you because he loves you. And he will. He deals with our sin in this world. Now, we're saved eternally, but, but sin is still an offense to God, and he deals with it in this world. And I can give you testimonies of how that has happened, not only in my own life, but in the life of many people. Those that are rejecting Christ, those that are not in a saving relationship, God does not punish them for their sins in this world uh, any more uh, than us, but their greatest punishment for their sin is not in this world, but it is in the world to come. I know people here in this community I'm praying for, I've been talking to, but if they remain in their state according to the scriptures, now I'm not judging them, God is. God judges us in Scripture. We have to bear witness to that. And people that I love, but if they continue in the direction they're going, when their life is over, any joy they have ever known will vanish. I got people I love. They're good people. Good people. Better people than I've ever been. But their hope is not upon Christ. Their agenda is not the will of God. Their agenda is their own agenda. Hallelujah, though. Those 
who have known the Lord know that Christ dealt with their sins upon the cross. For those who know the Lord and trusted him, they know their sins are forgiven. Not just the sins before they were saved, but all sins. But let me tell you something different about the person who walks with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about the sins of a person who is forgiven through Christ. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes to reside in their heart when they believe. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, your whole attitude towards sin changes. You may be tempted for a while, you may fall for a while, but but down deep there's something different in you, and that is the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us in Romans 7, 21 through 25, that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit within us, because we are saved, will make war against the sin that is in our life. We will hate that sin. There are sins in my life I hate. Praise God, as I've walked with Christ, there were sins that once afflicted me that no longer afflict me, but I still have those. But you know my attitude is not, hey, this is a good thing. It's, hey, this is a bad thing. I don't want to think that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel that way. I want to feel in alignment with my Savior who saved me. Now, friends, if you are not in that relationship with sin, if you have any affection for it, you need to wake up. If you're saved, the Lord's going to wake you up. I had a very rich friend in Lee County lost everything he had. He, he loved his money. He trusted in his money. He was a good man. Did a lot of charitable work, but he lost it all. And that was pain. You know, you had to move out of your house into a little apartment, and that was pain. But he was quick to say that that happening to me was God's correction in my life. Oh, went to church every Sunday. But somebody let wealth slip in and, and take his love away. God took the thing that he loved away. And he said it's the best thing that ever happened to him. Because he had an inner peace knowing that he was now following the will of God. There is forgiveness for sins in Christ. And if we're saved, we'll make war against that sin. You know, every time I sinned, I realized that it caused one of Christ's blood drops to fall from that cross. Every time I don't love somebody like I ought to love them, and sin in that way, putting myself before what the Lord wants. It caused a gash in his body. Think about sin that way. If you've got some little pet sin that attracts you, think about it that way. It'll lose its appeal if you're a believer. Sin is real. It's destroying our world. Things are getting worse and worse, aren't they? I believe the end's coming. But those of you 
who recognize that sin is a rebellion against God, a refusal to submit to his holy plan, his holy will, are blessed. Because most of the world doesn't know that. Now, part of the reason they haven't known that is the churches haven't been telling them that. I would love to be invited to the Academy Awards to be one of the speakers. And I'd be loving to them, but I would tell them about all the terrible things they represent and affirm in life. And how it's not only destroying the life, their life, but it's destroying the life of many who follow after them. Sin is real. Sin is the most terrible thing in the world because it has destroyed and opposed the true and living God's will to make things blessed for us. Now I want to close today by saying that if there's any person in this room that has never really, really given their heart to Christ, that's the only way your sins are going to be forgiven. And if they're not forgiven, you're going to hell. Because you've refused the gracious gift of God in Jesus Christ. And I say that because I love people. I'm going to tell a fellow that this week, that I love him, but I'm afraid he's going to hell. Now, you've probably never had anybody say that to him before. Because most people don't love him enough to say that to him. But if you've never made that commitment in your life, let this be the day. You don't need to come to the front of the church. A lot of people come to the front of the church and do that, and it's not real. I want it to be real. And if you're at that place today, I want you to go home, and I want you to say, Lord, I want you to really be my God. I really want you to be my master. I really want you to be my Lord. I want you to come into my heart and save me. And you know what Jesus said? Whoever knocks at my door. Did you hear that? He said it. I didn't. He said that whoever knocks at my door, I will come in and break bread with him. He'll be our master. He'll be our Lord. So if there's any out there today, I pray, I pray to God that you've heard that. And believers, I want to t you to recognize sin for the evil it is in your life and the evil it is in the world and to know that biblically speaking, Sin happens when we center our will on anything other than the will of God. You can love many things through God and some things you can't. Be in the will of God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and wives, make sure you respect your husbands. That's the will of God. That means no philandering. Slandering the world doesn't know it today is sin. It's called adultery. I hope today you will be clear from this moment on about the nature of sin. That it is to make anything more important in your life than your relationship with the true and living God. Blessed are they that hear that truth and receive it. Amen.